My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. You got that right. The hell does that mean? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Come on, okay, let's go, let's go. <clears throat> that means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> You saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> Say that one more time. <laughs> you saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> you saying you want a piece of me? I can drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! Yeah! Welcome to Peak Show, coming to you live from the most sociable room in the house. I'm your host, master of her domain, Brie Rohde, and who do I have here with me today? Hello! La la la! Uh, it's, uh, I can say I am Gaush, cause that'd be, but that would be too lame to, you know, quote my uh, my handles, but uh, my, my name is actually Gaush. Um, well, welcome, Gaush. You are, I think, officially the third guest on this podcast whom I know through hockey Twitter. And definitely, um, you know, similar to friend of the show, Mike Stevens, I, I felt like I decided I liked you and I'm like, oh, this guy likes the Leafs as much as I do, but he's not just constantly <laughs> losing it. <laughs> Which is, Sometimes just internally I'm losing it. Yeah. Sometimes it's, internally I'm just like, ah. It's but you know what? I think we've been, hurt, we've been hurt so much that uh, I think we're at a point where we're just like, I, I don't think anything can hurt us anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because I was raised in a house of two solitudes. I, I, my shame is that my father is a Habs fan. Um, my father's, Ooh, yeah, my father's right. francophone, you know, he's very, very French. And so um, yeah. you're, you're francophone, even if you're Ontarian, you cheer for the Habs. And, uh, and but, I get that. you know, I feel like our generation until this past year was much more invested in the Bruins rivalry than the Habs rivalry. You know, it was always a thing, but... It was never really activated until this year, but, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of feelings last year and I'm looking to just, I'm looking forward to numbness. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I do agree. Like we were, I think we were a lot more focused on the Bruins because a lot of the most recent tragedies, I guess, to say were all <laughs> Bruins focused. Yes. Uh, and it it was, we like, we just had like weird times when the Montreal and like Toronto never seemed to be good at the same time. No. Right, like the ex- like since like ninety three, essentially, yeah. uh, since basically the last time Montreal won, and like that's the same time my first heartbreak when like we got screwed by Wayne Gretzky and uh, a, a bad ref, right? So, yeah. uh, since then, like it's never felt like they were the good at the same time, and so yeah, like uh, Montreal has never crossed my mind. It was almost I, I think I hated the Bruins more until this year, and they the Habs reminded me how much, just how much I hate that. 
The Canadian division really brought out some some crazy feelings. Now, you mentioned 1993, and it's great because we're talking about the most 90s thing in the world today. We're talking about Seinfeld, uh, which has yeah. been frequently named as one of the best things about the 90s. Um, and I was trying to think of, was there any hockey content on Seinfeld? And yes, I do always remember that one episode where Putty goes to, uh, I think it's the New Jersey game, and he has painted yeah. his body and got a sports team. Which <laughs> as a yeah, yeah. as the yeah. devil yeah 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 yep. that was uh what season was that it was like season eight or nine or it, something it was like a that, later right? one yeah because putty was mm-hmm. like season eight um i god i love patrick warburton i have always said that patrick marlowe if they made a movie about his life should be played by patrick warburton there's a similarity there interesting um i see that okay i you know what i i, I can accept that <laughs> i don't know if the guy can skate or like fake play hockey but uh i'm sure i'm sure i can figure it out yeah so i had you on not only because you know you're a nice fella and you love seinfeld like i do but also you know you have uh you have your life as a you know not just hockey all sports commentating podcast uh podcaster and vlog uh can you tell us a little bit about uh, armchair reaction yeah i mean it was just uh it it was the most kind of random kind of collection like it was a is it was chance meeting like this like twitter like hockey twitter is especially leaves twitter can be very toxic uh it can also be very welcoming um and so like it was it went from like uh me and like maz like we connected with this guy named uh raza and like he had invited us to join like one of these uh fantasy hockey leagues we're like yeah cool we were talking we seemed to like really have a lot of reactions during game time like whenever game time happened i would see that twitter conversation just like go off like someone like i had no clue about didn't know him at all and we would just be like (laughs) raging in a twitter chat and then like as time went on he'd be like he actually was like some of this stuff is good like we should record this and i was like to be honest there's probably more podcasts than there are games at this point but Mm -hmm. like i'm down like i don't care uh and so at that point we kind of started brainstorming what we can call it and uh we had another name that was half decent until i said yeah well you know we are all armchair coaches here and then we were like yeah what would you call armchair reactions and then we went kind of went from there and then what we haven't really fully executed the concept we wanted to yet. It has been a pandemic, so it hasn't really allowed us to uh, do exactly what we wanted. But we really, truly want to get like post game reaction from fans. Like what we want is like, you know, you at your worst, like yeah. right after like a bad loss, like I want you seething. And you get five minutes to just vet, right? Like, and we want to get that. Like, you know, and when time comes, when the pandemic's over, like even get live reaction, right? Like where yeah. we can actually see people and like maybe we're in Toronto, like, you know, Maple Leaf Square or like at a bar nearby and we get like live reaction because that would be like raw, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're trying to get for. Uh, last year, like what we found was that... um Everyone has a lot to say, including us. And like every every time we start a podcast, we'd be like, okay, well, we'll keep this to like 20 minutes and it would be inevitably two hours and 30 minutes. And I'd be <laughs> like, dude, like no one's going to watch this, but I don't care. And we, it, it was fun. Um, and we, like, I mean, yeah, like I watch all sports. I'm just kind of obsessive like that. Um, I remember one day I was watching golf one day and like my wife was like, 
you watch golf too? And I was like, well, I mean, nothing was on. And like, you know, Tiger's kind of winning. I just wanted to see what he was doing. And she's like, well, like I'm obsessed with my sport. So it's it's always a great escape for me. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of how things go. But like, you know, TV, entertainment, like I kind of always keep a tab on everything. Yeah. Uh, it's funny even with uh, Seinfeld to have an anecdote about that I'll, I'll share later. Super, because we're going to get super into both of our respective histories with Seinfeld fandom. Uh, but before that, we got to establish, because we ask all our guests, when did you peak? Yeah, so I know, I, you know, when you asked this question, I I, um, I had to really think about this. Uh, it uh, it threw me for, it threw me into a really introspective loop where I had to like, you know, really evaluate my life and then, you know, spiral oh, no. out of control there for a bit. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, what did I... When did I? No, but no, realistically, it, it, I'm really hoping not to come off like arrogant. But uh, I, I feel like I haven't peaked yet. Like in my head, like physically, like you know, I, I felt like I peaked like 23 to 27. Like that's where mm-hmm. I felt like I was, you know, couch prime. Like I was working out. I was always eating healthy. Like I was everything I wanted to be physically, like like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I haven't really peaked. Uh, in life yet because i'm i've been on a weird journey like you know my past it it goes from you know growing up in what you'd consider the hood in in toronto like rexdale to you know going to you know mcmaster to going to med school finishing med school then leaving medicine Mm -hmm. uh going into marketing jumping into headhunting for a bit going back to marketing uh like i've been all over the place so much and like i've had so much like progression that like i feel the way i view it in my head i don't think i'll peak or get to where i want to be until like maybe early to mid 40s i think that's a good thing to aim for and and that's kind of how i'm pushing myself i'm like i can't have peaked yet like after that like i can't lie to myself and say like okay it's (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm never gonna peak like no that's but i think i think that's where i can really get to the point where i want to be and so it's more maybe it's a motivational thing for myself to say i haven't peaked yet but that's how i look at it yeah and i'll say we we haven't had that many guests on who have been parents we've had a couple obviously a uh, friend of the show our, our buddy mike uh and cam and what i do find is there's a certain um threshold where you stop caring about your own peak because it's like the excitement of oh, yeah. life's peaks and valleys get passed on to your kid because then you get to see them oh, yeah. go through all those like little milestones and stuff it's- that's that's, you know something i think my parents did with with i mean i'm the youngest of three and seeing like they don't care about doing their own thing anymore they're just so excited to watch us develop and peak unfortunately one of their kids grew up to be a tv watching nerd weirdo so (laughs) yeah i was i was uh i was a uh, enigma like you know wrapped in uh, mystery wrapped in a Twinkie, like, but like you know, uh, I, to to my parents, like they 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 found me very interesting. Like I am obsessive with sports and TV, but I also was like you know was able to manage school and all that stuff. So uh, one thing I actually try right now, like I, I do have a young child, and one thing I try to do is not put um, like one thing I found like at least as an immigrant as well like when uh, there's some parents that put too much into their kids uh peaks themselves like like where like everything they experience is through their child and like sometimes mm-hmm. that puts undue pressure on the child right and mm-hmm. I, I kind of have tried at least I mean he's only one so like he's, <laughs> I, I could easily fuck this up later but uh I've tried not to th- 
put everything there where like I want him to not feel like if he fucks up like I'm going to be devastated or like if he has like a detour I'm going to be devastated right like where like I absolutely like watching him grow is the absolute best part of my day like I have some days where I'm like absolutely tired I'll come home and or I'll be home and like I'll, I'll bring him back and he'll give you energy like for the the few hours i get to see him before he has to go to bed because his bedtime is obscenely early because babies you know sleep weird um (laughs) they're like cats i mean they they sleep weird and then they are and then they wake up at five he will he'll wake up at five and like he'll stomp on my face and then demand that i put on music and i'm like dude it's five in the morning please put your head down for five more minutes but um no no like it's yeah, that definitely kind of put things into perspective. But I actually that I actually feel like that actually made me extend the peak window for me. Like I feel like it gave me a kind of new new lease on life, and I was like, now, like okay, totally. I'm not done yet. Like I'm not there yet. <laughs> awesome. So now, and I'm I'm saying this like I understand. I don't have children. Um, you know, my my DVD collections are my children, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and my my aging grumpy cat. But uh, so. Uh, obviously, we're talking Seinfeld, and um, I'd love to know how, when, under what circumstances you got into Seinfeld. So Seinfeld for like, so like again, I'll go back to like I, I really always liked TV, and I watched a lot of shows obsessively, um, like especially when I was in school, like I'd I'd always have something on in the background because uh, for me, I it was almost a way to uh, treat my self-diagnosed ADHD. Like if I had a TV show going on in the background, like it would quiet the noise in my head. Like it might, like my part of my brain that was always scattered would focus on the TV show and the rest of me could like study. Right. And mm-hmm. so I constantly had TV shows like communities, for example, one, like I used to be obsessed with, with through med school or like friends and all that stuff. The one show that I always thought was scattered was actually friend, uh, sorry, Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld was actually more um, a childhood thing where it was always on TBS mm-hmm. and I would just always drop in like we'd just be channel surfing and then you land on it and it was always the sh- that only show where you could drop in on any episode and watch and I have like this weird thing where I have to watch everything in order mm-hmm. this actually was the only show I could accept not watching in order like I so hate like like it's it's actually like it would uh it would actually cause me like not anxiety but like irritability to watch things out of order with everything else like um i i know like the one show like that i really enjoyed of your like the podcast that you guys had recently that i enjoyed was your parks and rec um uh episode. Thank you. that was a really great episode by the way Thank i loved you. you and your guest and but one thing I found about Parks and Rec was that um, when the when I got first recommended to watch it, my friend told me, he's like, listen, season one is a drag. You just got to power through it or skip it. And he was like, I skipped it and just watched season two onwards and he loved it. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, like, I can't you're go to. to- <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, I can't, I can't watch season two and pretend like season one didn't exist. I'm like, screw it. If you're telling me season two is good. I'll just power through. So it was always weird to me that Seinfeld, I just kind of watched on TBS uh, randomly. I never had a cohesive storyline in my head to it. It was always like random episodes always, but it was always on. Like TBS would always show it. I'd always be like dropping in on it. And to a point where I almost only knew it on a singular episode basis and not Mm. 
a cohesive season. And actually, once it dropped on Netflix recently was when I finally started to actually watch it in order. Mm-hmm. And it was just a different viewing experience. I've actually been binging it. And then obviously when we chatted, I was like, oh, okay, I, I definitely got to binge this. Uh, I got to know what I'm talking about because uh, there's a lot of pressure coming on the big show. So I was just like, okay, like this is, this is, uh, this is, I, I looked at your guest list and I was like, what the hell? I can't look, sound like an idiot here. So I got to watch this <laughs> stuff. And uh, I'm telling you, like it's, it's a different experience though. But yeah, that's kind of how I uh, got into Seinfeld. It was random, like, completely random. And then of course, I was always the middle guy in some of my friends' arguments. There's one uh, group of friends I have where um, I found that you're either a Friends fan or a Seinfeld fan in my friend group. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and like I don't know why they separate separate like that but like I have one friend that is like no it's Seinfeld and another friend is like like fuck Seinfeld it's friends right <laughs> and this and this is in med this is med school by the way this is like 2 a.m arguments where Jesus we just finished farm like we would be like finishing pharmacology or like you know or go or, go or something like that and then they'd be arguing and I'd be like I'd be in the middle. They'd be like, okay, gosh, you got to split this. And I'd be like, actually, I kind of like both. And they're like, you, you got to pick something. You can't be on the fence. I was like, why not? Why can't I just like both? They're very different shows. I, I hate to say I'm not a Friends fan, but I like to think I'm one of those people that at least isn't obnoxious about not liking Friends. Because there are some people that have this like... I don't like friends because, and they have this, like, I'm better than friends. Like, yeah. I, I just think friends straight up is not for me. Um, same yeah. reason I don't like how I met your mother. I'm like, I understand why this works for some people. Done work for me. Um, so, and I think it's just, which again, like, I agree with you. The chronology of Seinfeld is weird. Um, and I definitely came into it out of chronology. And so I didn't understand what people meant when they said like, oh, it gets really bad in season eight and nine because I'm like, I don't associate anything with season eight and season nine. Yeah. But then watching it, exactly. I'm like, oh, OK, I understand what people are saying when they say this. Um, so with me, um, my my good friend Kyla uh, introduced me to the show in middle school. So that would have been after it ended because I was born in 89. So it was probably around 2002 or so. We started dancing together. She was um, she was actually my mother's piano student as well. So we were together all the time. And nice. she would just be like, you know, staying at my house after her lesson and be like, let's watch Seinfeld. I'm like, is it, is it on? Like, And the truth was she could always find it on somewhere. She was just one of those people that had a, a sense yeah. of what it was on. Um, and I had always been aware of it because it followed The Simpsons and as on my local Fox affiliate. And as I've said, like if it followed The Simpsons, I knew of it. Um, that was the whole reason I got into my other fave, King of the Hill. Um, but, you know, <laughs> as a child, um, it was totally, in, oh, totally over my head. I didn't get it at yeah. all. Like I was... You know, I was too young, but um, so Kyla and I mainlined it. We got super, uh, she, like, by the time we were in high school together, we were having, like, Seinfeld conversations with each other. Um, I think there was a period during high school where, because that was when the DVDs were huge. And so every birthday and Christmas, because uh, my birthday is six months after Christmas, so it's like another Seinfeld DVD just, you know, popping them nice. off. It was great. Um so it's safe to say that I have always um, felt really positively toward it. So the point where when we were in New York, we uh, for a trip with our dance team in high school, we actually um, we tried to hit up a lot of the big Seinfeld spots, but we didn't realize that um, it was filmed in L.A. 
and all the establishing shots are just like stock footage. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. also the place that the real quote unquote soup Nazi restaurant is based off of. It had very briefly closed in 2004, which is when we were there because we made a big deal about wanting uh. to go and try it. So, um, yeah. And uh, so it's safe to say I've always felt positively about Seinfeld. I've never gone through stages where I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't that good. But I'll say that in university, I fell off of like it stopped being my comfort show back then because I um, I got into like Arrested Development and community and stuff like that wasn't laugh track shows. And I decided that I hated yeah, laugh yeah. track shows. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I do, I think Seinfeld is really the one exception I'll make. Seinfeld and I guess MASH. Yeah, so nothing pulled me back to Seinfeld. And then um, the the tragedy of this story is that about, uh, well, when this episode comes out three years ago, um, Kyla passed away. And um, oh. I was trying oh, yeah. to like, Oh, it, it was a it was a rough time for old Brie. Um, yeah. But you know, trying to find like you know when we were looking for things to bring to her service and stuff, and you know, I'm looking for our New York pictures and stuff. And I looked through our yearbooks, and like everything we wrote in each other's yearbooks was Seinfeld stuff. Seinfeld. And we nice. did so many like you know posing for pictures in like. Just like she had this like way of doing the Kramer face, which I mean, it's an audio medium, so I can't really do it, but just the kind of like shocked, like head leaning back kind yeah. of thing. So um, and so when Seinfeld recently became available on Netflix Canada, um, I was like, oh, this is just going to it's like a warm bath with a you know a cheap glass of wine. It's like this. I'm just happy. Yeah. I'm relaxed. Um, also, like, I mean, I know that um like my views on Jerry Seinfeld have maybe changed, but it's not even that drastic. Like there is a whole like, yeah, he was dating a high school student in the nineties, which is unequivocally disgusting. Um, yeah. Also, the bar is on the ground for men in Hollywood. And the other thing too, is no one ever thought Jerry Seinfeld seemed like this great guy. Um, it's not like a Cosby situation where like this man presented himself as the sweetest, kindest man in America and it turns out Defamed, he was a monster. Yeah. It's like this guy yeah. has always just been kind of a skeezy dude. Um, yeah. And then, you know, his comedy now is a little bit like college kids are too sensitive. But like, I don't know. I just see him as like a bitter old man comedian who isn't super relevant, but he's not like causing massive damage like a Chappelle type. So... Um, mm -hmm. I don't really think my my views on Seinfeld because like, and this is part of why I like Seinfeld. I never felt that deeply about it. I love Seinfeld a lot, but I never felt this huge emotional connection to it, which I think is like the best kind of show to like. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good point. Like, I think the only thing that ever again, like going back to like the. <laughs> After listening to some of your other podcasts, I was just like, damn it, why'd she have to ask me about the weakest show in my like repertoire? Like <laughs> if she asked me about community, like I could quote stuff like word I've got for great word, news but... about next season. So season two peak show. Look for the lineup. Community is just just especially see, uh, first three seasons were just uh, so yeah. good. Uh, but um that one I could probably tell you where it peaked right now. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> with um with with Seinfeld, like the only I think, like I always felt like like I didn't know it as well as some of the other shows, but like in terms of like feeling anything for or against it, like I didn't I had that same kind of uh, indifference towards uh, like you know like I never felt like okay like there was anything bad or anything like that. The only thing that I held slightly against it was uh, 
you know, Kramer, like Richards, when like he came out oh, and had that little yeah. tirade, it it just sucked <laughs> because I actually loved like he, he I mean his his comedy is very slapstick, it's very physical, it's very like you know, but he had that style, like he had something to it. It just diminished it a little bit, and I've always been good at least in like I mean, you know, let's take Crosby uh, Crosby out of it because uh, Cosby out of it because he's just Jesus Christ. But, he's a monster. Um, yeah. Like other. He's a monster, but like other people, like when it's small, you would say digressions. Like I could always separate the the show and like the actor from like the characters, right? Like mm-hmm. I could always be like, I'm just watching this show within the context of the show. But like, and so like I could do that to an extent with Kramer, but I sometimes just be like, man, like why did he have to ruin it? Like he was, he's so good. Yeah, and like there's a weird thing with Hollywood and not even just racism, but all um, abhorrent views where I tend to assume that almost everyone in Hollywood had yeah. has some terrible baggage. But I also, yeah, yeah, think, I also think that, you know, and you and I have discussed this again in the context of hockey players when, you know, people came out of like, Jack Campbell's an imperialist or whatever. And like, I'm, I hate to say it, but there is a difference between like, the Tony D'Angelo's of the world and the Jack Campbell's of the world. And there, just as there yeah. are differences between, you know, people who have maybe like those preconceived notions or like those things where they're not, where they're saying the quiet part quiet and a guy who's literally saying the N word on stage going after black people in the audience. Like that was, I was still in high school when that happened. And I was just so, it was so upsetting. So upsetting. Yeah. I think I think I was in university. I think I had just started university then, uh, or so something like that. And I, can, I just remember seeing the video. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And I was just like, "What the fuck?" And then I second the second thing I asked was, like, "I don't even know he did stand up. Like he just didn't right? seem like the type, right?" Like I'm like, "How do you do stand up? Like you don't have that type of comedy, right?" Like mm-hmm. at least in my head, I, it hadn't registered to me. Like he didn't seem like that type of comedian. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, hey, what do I know? Uh, it seems like any comedian that does, like, I mean, every comedian that's made it has done stand up at some point. It just never registered to me because he just seemed just purely so physical with his comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, hey, like, it didn't, like, it didn't, like, completely ruin Seinfeld or anything like that for mm-hmm. me. It was just, it was always in the back of my head, like, well, now I can't rank Kramer as my favorite like I just I it had to knock him down like I was just like oh I really like him but now he's not my favorite yeah it's like when you have food in the same fridge as something that's gone bad the food that you're eating isn't bad but has that little little stink on it uh, yeah, so exactly gonna, so we'll get to the history section or as I'm calling it these days Wikipedia because it really is just me phrasing <laughs> Wikipedia um, so it was uh, initially pitched with Jerry and uh, Larry David uh, they pitched the pilot of the Seinfeld Chronicles in 1989 um, it was poorly received at the network level it was called to New York and too Jewish although I will say that the exec that called it this was a Jewish man um, but uh, it, which was also <laughs> part of why um, Kramer's name was originally Kessler and they changed it because uh, Kessler too Jewish sounding um, but Test audiences hated. It wasn't picked up at the uh, 8990 NBC upfronts. However, the pilot did end up airing like July of 89 and it had good ratings. Um, famously, the only person uh, missing from the cast was Elaine. The role of the, the sole gal was filled by Claire the waitress. Um, I, I do have this because it's super important to note that it was never pitched or described as a show about nothing. Uh, the idea was 
it's the inspiration for how a comedian gets his material, which is yeah. why the show had like it there became less of this uh, and less. But it was, you know, so much of Jerry's comedy interspersed and the plot lines were just essentially like, how would this observation play out with fully fleshed, fleshed out characters developed around these little yeah. jokes? So show about nothing became like an in joke between the creators later. Um, as for the cast, no one was a complete unknown, but it's safe to say Seinfeld really uh, was the trajectory of their careers. Jason Alexander was mainly a stage actor um, and has also, I think, since then mainly done stage and voice acting. Um, Julia yeah. Louis-Dreyfus was, besides Jerry Seinfeld, probably the most well-known prior um, because she was an SNL cast member. And that, I realize, was the generation back when SNL cast members actually could successfully transition into TV and movies. Yep. like. Really now, like, I mean, I guess like no, the yeah. Faye, Polar, Rudolph, like that's from my generation of SNL, but, um, and then, I mean, Will Ferrell, but like th those are the exceptions, not the But rules. yeah, but they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even count as like this generation, right? Like they've already yeah. kind of passed, yeah. Yeah. And then Michael Richards, he was an improviser uh, who was well connected with Larry David, although I do uh, like to shout out that he has a small role in um, one of my favorites, UHF, because uh, I love Weird Al. Um, so eventually it was picked up and aired a very short season in May of, I guess, 89 or 90. Um, and it had it always had decent enough ratings to keep getting renewed. But despite its wild popularity at the end of it, it wasn't even a Nielsen top 30 show until the fifth season. Um, hmm. It was the fourth season that it moved to a Thursday night. I, I always thought of it as being a Thursday night show, but it was fourth season, Thursday nights. Fifth season, it was cemented in the Thursday night, nine o'clock being part of NBC's Powerhouse Thursday. That's why, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I don't understand the rivalry of Friends versus Seinfeld because as two shows on the same night as part of the same comedy block, they helped each other, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. Mm -hmm. So now a lot of shows that I've done on Peak Show, um, they have ratings peak actually pretty early and then taper off, which is probably also because a lot of the shows I've done besides The Simpsons have run in the 2000s when you also just see a gradual decline of people watching TV at all. Um, Seinfeld doesn't yeah. have that. Seinfeld is a pure 90s show. So it just kept going up and up and up, including the eighth and ninth season, uh, notably disliked by many viewers because Larry David was no longer show running and the complaint was that with Jerry Seinfeld taking over showrunner, it had become too broad and silly. Like things like I remember the Merv Griffin show is a really good example of how because yeah. um, Kramer, you know, makes his apartment <laughs> into a TV set and stuff like, you know, it was it was a bit wacky town. Um, yeah. By the ninth season, the show was averaging an AMA, so average minute audience of 38 million viewers. So at any given minute, an average of basically Canada. the population of Canada was watching. <laughs> so, and and what I, I'll say I admire about the ninth season is they could have come back, but they chose not to. But like I, I always say, good good on you for knowing when to call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think they had to know like at the ninth season. Like during this current binge, like I haven't got to the ninth season again, but like I, from what I remember about the ninth season, like I just, I felt like you could tell it was not the short, like it, it was their weakest season in memory. Like mm -hmm. uh, since like, you know, like they started with season one, like it was obviously a weak season, but like season one's always like, you know, introing and all that stuff. But season nine, like it did feel weak and 
I feel like uh, they may have realized it internally as well and be like, okay, I think we need to call this before we uh, we become that, you know, we become Dexter. And the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually haven't seen Dexter. And when I was in my last year of high school in a film class, everyone in film class was into Dexter at that point to the point where like all our film projects, everyone was aping Dexter. And I'm just like, I feel like in five years, this is not going to matter anymore. And I was right. I mean, um, I mean, I, I would still, I mean, you, because you're, you're just so into TV, like I would watch it because there is a very clear peak for that show. Like mm-hmm. if you discuss that show, like I don't think anyone would argue the peak. Like anyone, um, like if you ever do a podcast, I'm definitely going to listen to it. And if someone says the wrong answer and there is an absolute wrong answer, like I will come <laughs> out and like I will debate that person live i have no problem with it because really there's like only one idea. correct answer for, <laughs> I, there's only one correct answer for dexter but it was very obvious and you'll yeah. know like it hits a it hits such a peak and you're just like holy crap this is elite tv and then it just kind of drops off uh with seinfeld like i mean i don't feel like you feel that way it's not the drop off like like dexter but yeah. season nine does feel weak and there's still um in season eight and nine there's still some really good little um very memorable yeah. things for example the little kicks which um yep i love the little kicks like a, a thing yep. about me which um i always think like do people know this about me of course everyone knows that i'm a dancer like it's it's my life it's you know what i do for expression but when i'm on a dance floor at a wedding or a party i don't dance particularly well and everyone's always surprised at that it's like well yes i know how to do ballet but that doesn't mean i like but it's different understand yeah. like how to be sexy or how to be alluring with my butt i don't know that and so i cover for it by dancing really silly and and that to me is just as fun if not more fun um you know it i've is, always yeah. said i like I used to date a guy in university who, you know, like obviously not no longer together, but what I loved about him was that he danced like a dork. And I think someone who is not afraid to dance like a dork is my favorite person. And so the best way to dance dorky is to dance like Elaine. Um, Just what Julia Louis-Dreyfus does with her body, because like Seinfeld is a really physical, like physical comedic mm-hmm. show and i think kramer but rightly michael richards gets a lot of credit for that but julia louis dreyfus is probably the second most physical and yeah. like with the pushing and just the way she throws her body around sometimes and she's the, so dramatic with everything out. yeah um and then also i think probably the most iconic thing especially for our generation is um festivus which is uh the episode yes. of the strike also, I would say overall, the episode The Strike is amazing. Um, that is one of my favorite contests because Jerry has the girlfriend who looks sometimes attractive and sometimes not attractive, depending on the lights. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I always say, um, is that episode is about Andreas Janssen and more hockey hockey references because Andreas Janssen, <laughs> sometimes you look at him, he is a Greek god. And then sometimes you look at him and he just looks like a weird baseball with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've never heard that. That You know what? Now I'm going to have to watch that episode. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be... It's completely changed that episode for me. All I'm gonna be thinking about is Andrew Chang, Johnson. Oh. Sorry, oh man. No, you're you're right though. Season eight and nine, like, and so there's good in them, just not as a there's whole. a there's a lot of great episodes. It just never it doesn't hit like everything. The consistency is not there. Like the summer of George was a good episode too. I thought yes. like uh, 
I think that was season eight, right? Like, yeah, the that summer was the finale was like a great yeah. episode. And yeah, like that that was yeah, quite. And like Festivus, I think one of the reasons why it was successful is because it was a concept that audiences like could relate to, or like ten years later, so like I can't count the number of times like, you know, okay, it's you know the like say for me, the summer between second and third year university, I was employed, but also very underemployed and just like living off noodles and living in a shitty house but i'm just like i'm gonna make the most of this fucking lazy ass a summer of free baby like i think a lot of us have had summer of georgia's yeah um, yeah no I, I mean that was the that was the beauty of the show right it was supposed to be as like you've had at least you've lived some of these episodes like uh yeah. in one way or another you you may not be as bad a person as these people are uh these mm-hmm. people are uh, just depraved individuals but like you you live these episodes these are supposed to be as normal as possible like and I, I, I don't i never understood why it connected with me and it wasn't a particularly great episode but like i always remembered even when i could forget everything the shower head episode like the shower <laughs> pressure like it just for great some physical reason, comedy like, too but it was just, I don't know why. And it always stuck with me. And anytime I took a shower with bad pressure, like that whole episode would just rush back into my head. I was just like, I, I can't do this. Like, and I get it. Like, I I get it. Like, I get why they had to do what they had to do. Like, this is, this is trash. Who can live like this? This is ridiculous. Like, and so like, no, like that, that, that was the beauty of Seinfeld. I think yeah. it was, uh, you lived it. You definitely lived it. I also like uh, another again later episode that I think is great, especially because it's the um, it's a great like everything comes together at the end episode, which they got really good at um, the muffin tops. Um, yes, which yes. Um, for some reason, um, like just the line reading that Julia Louis Dreyfus has of like it's not top of the muffin to you, like that has stuck in my head for years, for you know <laughs> two decades now. Um, and it also, like, I was, you know, again, I was probably 12 or 13 the first time I watched that episode. And I was thinking, hey, I never realized that the top is the best part of muffins. And I, like, first time I had a muffin after that and I looked at my stump and I'm like, I don't like you. Like, <laughs> it makes you realize so much about the world around you. It, it does. Like, I actually, I would, I'm not a, I'm not a big muffin person, but I'd always, like, after I think that episode, I would just observe other people. And like whoever I was with or like just chilling with dating, whatever, I just be like, I would kind of look out to see like, oh, the, everyone does seem to eat the top first. And it's I was like, part. oh, this is, this is a thing. <laughs> I'm like, why? And then like, I would just, I, I never got it, but it was actually to me, like it was actually Seinfeld that introduced that, con- that very concept to me. And then I was just like, holy crap, it's everywhere. Yeah. So you mentioned like how terrible and depraved these people are. And um, I don't know if you're a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Full disclosure, I've only really seen probably the first like five or six seasons. And I that's seen... literally where I'm at, too. Like I yeah. watched maybe the first five, six ep- uh, seasons. Sorry. I was just just talking on Twitter about how I've been obsessed with Danny DeVito most of my life. So like that's that's where it is for me. You kind of forget that the first season of that show doesn't have Danny DeVito. Um yeah, because it's a different show. Like it doesn't become "It's Always Sunny" until Daddy gets there. Like, which is you. 
you forget that it's um like once you get into season two three like you're just like danny devito gets there and it changes the whole dynamic and like i did see like some kind of some of your notes and like i i do want like once you touch on it like i i do have some comments but like yeah it's, it's sunny is a uh interesting comparison though i don't think it's a fair one and yeah, i do like- agree with some of your notes actually i saw when I when I started university and um, a buddy of mine from high school that I didn't even particularly like, but you know when you're two the only two people from a small town going away to school <laughs> in the same city, you know you hang out. And so I would go over to his house, but I ended up becoming better friends with his roommates. And one of his roommates is like, "Oh, if you like Seinfeld, you're gonna like this show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia." And he gave me the DVD from the first couple seasons and the dvd said and i guess is quoting a reviewer or something saying it's seinfeld on crack and i believe it was um which also i don't like making jokes about crack um yeah (laughs) someone who has you know lost loved ones to drug addiction i don't know um hey uh seattle kraken fans stop calling the arena the crack house um but um I, I know that the angle, like what they were implying was everyone in Seinfeld is a horrible person and these guys are horrible people too. Um, and also maybe, especially before Danny DeVito, the idea of like the three guy and a girl ensemble. But um, I don't know if they're the same types of horrible people, which is like the characters in Seinfeld, if you want to get overly deep, they're like, t- I do really see them, especially in this latest rewatch, I see them as manifestations of like, what would happen if at a key decision making time, Everyone just took a hard turn into their most selfish impulses Um, because so many episodes of Seinfeld are about characters who they start out wanting to do the right thing or do it for the wrong reasons. Like they get distracted by something. The perfect example is when Jerry tails the person who hits the car and he intends to go after them, but then it turns out she's a beautiful woman. So he falls for her and lies to Elaine about it or George having sex with the cleaning woman and promising her a raise he can't give. So in Sunny, like, (laughs) There's so much more active motivation to ruin each other's lives, ruin each other's lives, humiliate each other, like be bad people. Um, you know, it, the very first episode, someone says the N word um, as we were just discussing. Like, you can't come back from that. So, like, Seinfeld yeah. is really about like people's worst impulses. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, I think Sunny, it's always Sunny. Um, the other thing about it's always Sunny is like I think there are differences in that. Like Seinfeld. Uh, like you said, they're try they're like good, good ish people that kind of make really terrible decisions or have really fatal flaws. They also don't realize they're terrible people, right? Mm-hmm. The the thing with always sunny is like at p- moments you like they have to realize that these these people are just like absolutely just trash humans, <laughs> or you're just like this is this is the, this is it this is the bottom of the barrel but like there it's not it, it, i i didn't think it was a great like comparison to Seinfeld. like I, I just thought there were different shows like uh sunny like almost went into try to get go into the uncomfortable zones where you had to pause like you know uh, it, it was like every episode was the, the michael scott's tots episode right like <laughs> Every episode was uncomfortable. Yes, all of a sudden, but that's that was the allure of it, right? Like it made you just like, oh God, I gotta get through this. Like, uh, whereas you know, uh, Seinfeld, I don't think there was too many episodes that made you like have to pause for a second and be like, okay, I know what's gonna happen. I need to gather myself and then let it happen. Like you would just watch it, you'd be like, 
like you'd be like Elaine, like what the fuck, or like George, like God damn it, George. Like there's I would a lot say of the those person moments. that the person that that happened most to would be George because I do think yeah. of all the characters, the most reprehensible might be George. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where what, where would you think? Where, where do you think like he peaked in terms of uh, being just just a bad human? I can tell you exactly because again, this is one of the things that like when Kyla and I would see each other in the hallway, we would yell, it was an inferno in there, which is when he pushes over the yeah. old lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. I completely agree. I just wanted to know if that, I, I, I just wanted to know if we were on the same page. That's absolutely, I think that was, that was peak George. Like that's yes, yeah. peak George. I He's fully agree. Just, <laughs> he's just I, a terrible person. I think it's not so much that, like, I, I agree that I don't think it's the best comparison. The other thing, too, is as much as the characters in Sunny are terrible people, they're also very motivated people. And, like, I think of um, one of my favorite uh, early episodes of Sunny, which is the gang dances their asses off um, when they do the dance-a-thon at the bar. And um, mainly because I really love um, Rob McElhaney's dancing in it, but... Um, I uh, I do the little elbows thing all the time. He's um, <laughs> doing the elbows thing a lot. It's all he's got. Um, but like, they're always off on some hijinks. They're always, you know, like super motivated, whether it's to catch a serial killer or, you know, go on a road trip or whatever. Whereas you could see if, like if Seinfeld, if Kramer, you know, Kramer, who is easily the one who is the most hijinksiest, is like, oh, hey, buddy, I signed us up for a dance marathon. You just see Jerry like, I'm not doing that. Like these, yeah, yeah. the thing about the characters in Seinfeld is they really don't care. Yeah, they're they're yeah, that's true. You know what? I never kind of like took that in, but they they're definitely not as motivated. They're they're actually more uh, more like us. Like, nah, yes. fuck that. I'm not. I'm not going out. Like, fuck that. Like, I'm yeah. not doing that. Like, you can you can go become a serial killer. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. But the other thing, just uh, aside for it's always sunny. Like the thing that I always think about is the Dayman, like the song. Like I always, you'll <laughs> randomly in the middle of the day, I'll just be like walking, hundred percent every time. I'll just be like, I'll see my sister, and like she like quotes that all, all the time too, and I'll just be like, I'll just be sitting in the side and be like, Damon, ah. and then she'll like start connect. Like it's just I don't know. That show did have its its moments too, but mm-hmm. it's oh man, uh, I, so many. Yeah, I they're just not the same. Like I get why people wanted to compare, it, but I feel like. They just compared it for the sake of comparing it mm-hmm. um, and the description of comparing it. It's almost like how people like to call like Seinfeld, uh, like the show about nothing. Like I get it, but it was about stuff. Like I- I'm not, oh, I don't totally. fully agree with that either. Like I don't fully agree with that either. Yeah, go ahead. Which is also what I think like, because um, first of all, I think the main reason why Seinfeld, you could say it has some of the same appeal as Arrest- as um, as Sunny as well as I think Arrested Development and Succession and stuff is we love watching bad people, especially in more comedic situations, because it is really a cathartic projection of our worst traits. Um, And that's I so I don't even classify Seinfeld as necessarily an observational show. I I frankly see it as a very cathartic show because it it is observational situations we can all relate to. But the fun is watching how the characters react to it. Um, like um, the Chinese restaurant, which I think is one of the best, not just episodes of yes. Seinfeld, but episodes of TV of all time. One of my yep. favorite parts is where they tell Elaine they're going to give her $10 to go and eat an egg roll off of someone's plate. And yeah. she goes and she just chickens out and does it. Like, it's a nothing scene. Like, I 
first of all, I can't see that happening in any other in any other TV show um, because I can't see another even some a good show like Community or whatever would have to do something clever about it. There's nothing clever. Elaine just chickens out and walks away, but she's just alienated a bunch of people. Or the extremes that they'll go to sometimes, like Elaine, you know, pretending she lives in a janitor's closet to get takeout. Um, It's like, this is just what I would do if I listened to the worst parts of my mentality, which I'm really good at not doing. But um, that's, that's what I think is the appeal of Seinfeld. It's a really cathartic show. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, that thing that you thought of, but you wouldn't ever do. Like, what happens if you did it? And then these are the the uh, series of unfortunate events that follow. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's... it. No, no, I, I completely... I, I, yeah, cathar- catharsis is a... It, it's... Yeah, it's a good... It's a good word for that. Like, I think it is a cathartic show. I just... It's... It's... Uh, I don't know. Like, it was just... I, as much as people described it as a nothing show, like I always felt like, you know, like it's not about nothing. It's just about, it's about everything. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just, and that's why, like you felt like it was about nothing because it was about everyday things. Right. And like you, you didn't have like, you know, uh, a storyline and until they were basically forced by I think NBC in season four to have a storyline right like yeah season four they had to start doing a storyline oh, it's like okay you have to do something four. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to get into that with you at some point because I'm I'm very curious about your thoughts there but yeah. it's I, it, until then like you know they didn't even do that but it's not nothing it was just it's just life like this it is about life right and i guess people equate that to nothing but to me that was like i'm like no this is every day this is life Mm -hmm. this is everything like this is actually what i want to see like there's a lot of shows like you see stuff that literally will never happen yeah you can name 10 things per season in seinfeld that will happen to you at some point in time and um so i mean i'm fine jumping right to my note about season four because these are just my, my loose leaf notes um even though, like, I don't want to say I hate season four. Like, I feel like I'm very, um, I'm very, no, I'm, you got, I'm a very you got hyperbolic a, you got, person. No, I got to double down. No, no, yeah, be I hyperbolic. I need you to, I, I need, season okay, four. exactly. Because, like, you know, Seinfeld is supposed to be an episodic show. And there are shows that are episodic and have a broader plot line on top. Like, um, you know, I know it's played out, but The Office is a good example. You know, you can have these isolated episodes, but there's still a broader plot line on top. So I, it's not that that bothers me. It, I don't, I'm not bothered by the fact that they tried to make like um, a multi-episode arc, but I am bothered by what that arc was. I don't think it was particularly strong. I think the pilot, you know, pitch to NBC stuff, um, I thought it was too meta. Um, I like meta humor. Like, you know, that's why Arrested Development Community, community yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But it's, to me, there's good meta humor and then there's winking at the audience, which that's all I thought it was, is like, it's a show about nothing. Well, who would watch that? Like, I think that's just lame. Like, okay, yes, we get it. That's why it's funny. Um, The other big problem I have is it introduces Susan and all all respect to Susan. I think she's far too boring. Like, um, when I was watching it back, I realized like all of the supporting characters including significant others, are all really weird. But that's usually because they yeah. only stick around for one episode. Um, like, Susan is so normal, which I get it because she's the longest-term partner for George, so you can't have her be, like, this really weird character. She needs to be more than just a gimmick, but she just is 
too boring. She makes look George look so horrible by comparison. Um, a small complaint is that her voice is really whiny and I don't like that in general. But yeah, I think it's season four. And I know you mentioned in your notes, uh, Crazy Joe Davola. Like that is just the biggest bummer. All of that. It's just, it's a miserable swamp of plots I don't like. Yeah, so the the, the Joe Davola thing, like I that just I never just con- I never connected with that, like for some reason or another. But that was actually my like one of the things I guess working against season four for me. But again, coming onto the peak show, like season four was actually in the running f- for my peak. I was just mm-hmm. like, was did it peak there? I was just like, and I was just like surprised to see your note there because I was like. <laughs> What do you mean? Season four was like great. Like, like I even at the one point I was like, I had to go. I'm like, like, am I remembering this wrong? And I, I then I ended up watching, and I was like, these episodes are all great. Like the Bubble Boy, like just, just the Bubble Boy, fucking is great. classic, right? <laughs> like, the, like the the Virgin, the the contest, like the contest is could be one of the best episodes of all time for them, yeah. right? Like, and and again was, of any series, yeah. It's more of it's, any series. Like, so it's not the season, but it is the NBC arc that I really hate. And I get that. I think one of the things I I thought about that even was um, I felt like what they were doing was, OK, listen, you're forcing us to have a storyline. We're going to make the most obvious like storyline of all time. Hey, we're just going to literally talk about what we're doing right now <laughs> and how we're struggling to make said storyline. Yeah. Because even within that, they're like, how do I write this? Like, I don't know. Like, this is about nothing, right? And so, I mean, like, again, like, it was, yeah, I, I agree. Like, but it just blew my mind because I'm like, the Junior Min episode is like something that always like pops into my head as like a, it just, it's very, it's a very Seinfeld episode to me for some reason. Like, I always seem yeah. to always click into that episode. Like, on TBS, like, I've seen that episode, like, a billion times for some reason. I'm, like, to a point where I, as a kid, was, like, or younger, was, was like, uh, at that point, I don't think I had a Junior Mint. I'm, like, okay, I had to try a goddamn Junior Mint one. at this point. I, I had one after that, and I definitely had one as an adult. And the only reason is Seinfeld. Like Junior Mint should pay Seinfeld some sort of, uh, some sort of money because like they they definitely really gained out of that. Uh, but coming back to your Susan uh, comment, like see that's interesting because I've I've heard that before and I, I've I've had people t- I've debated about that and like I even internally thought like do I not like her? Do I like her? I think she was kind of necessary, like in the in the sense that she was. Like first, like if you actually look at her tra- storyline, it's tragic. Like oh, everything it's so about tragic. her, is, it's absolutely tragic. Like George is like the worst thing to happen to her all That's the way. That's why to I find end, it right? so miserable because she's so normal, and that like I just feel like George is at his worst with her, and at a certain, it's to me, it just gets to a point where I feel guilty watching because she does you know come back into his life and everything that i'm like it feels gratuitous and it feels mean so one of the things uh her being kind of like super normal was i thought like the perfect foil for george to be that uh just gratuitous like just just at the nadir of human 
personality and just morality like he just was not a good person with it right but like mm-hmm. he that all of season seven was just him plotting on how to leave her right like it just yeah. like he gets with her and then the whole season is about how do i get out of this right mm-hmm. until he inevitably accidentally kills her oh, but God. it's it, it's what was interesting is when i started digging into that like they the cast actually didn't like uh, the actress playing her, her either. And like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I can't, I, for the life of me now, right? I can't remember her name anymore. But like, there was actually a disconnect where uh, Jason Alexander has been in multiple interviews saying, like, he not the greatest things. He's apologized as well, like, right after interviews. Like, I, I had a stern interview where he was like, like, he, he didn't like it. Apparently, the whole idea to even kill her off was uh, Julia uh, Dreyfus's idea, like, to kill her off. Um, and and it was apparently because at the beginning, <laughs> Jason Alexander was the only one having one-on-one episodes with her. And, like, no one else really realized. Uh, and then once everybody else had episodes with her, they were like, yeah, we can't. And his complaint was he would do something she would do something completely different and he didn't know how to play off of it. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be like, okay, cool, we're doing this now. He would try to work with it and then she would do something different or it would just be flat. And he was like, I can never get on the same page as her. Mm-hmm. But it was almost as if that translated onto the screen and it added to the discomfort. But I thought that was brilliant. Like, the it was real discomfort. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it was yeah, pure tension, discomfort yeah. on uh, and tension and, like, discomfort on TV. Like, this is the rest of the cast not liking her. The Jason not really being able to act with her. Mm-hmm. And a whole season based off of them acting together alone constantly. Yeah. I thought, like, that part, like, I was just like, you know what? Like, in con. If when I go back and think about it, again, tragic storyline, but was she bad? Like was she a terrible like a character? I was like, or was she necessary? Like to really flesh out how bad George was? Because George is the worst. Oh yeah, he, and he is unforgivable. <laughs> I I feel like she really her normalcy almost brought it out. Like her tragic storyline and her being like just straight like a normal person in a show I'm not about normal people. It just kind of brought out the worst in George, and I thought that's what we all wanted. The actress, by the way, her name is Heidi Swedberg. Um, but uh, yes. so talking about multi-episode arcs, and um, I think a thing that I'm sure everyone is glad they didn't make into a multi-episode arc is why, like, Jerry and Elaine and why that didn't work. And um, oh, thank God. It's So I think... For one thing, I think they failed as a plot simply because Seinfeld isn't that kind of show. Because I remember um, yeah. there was an interview with Jerry Seinfeld where he said he was, you know, like between seasons or whatever, and he was doing stand up. And he asked, you know, oh, you guys watch the show. So what do you guys think of me and Elaine? And, you know, obviously it was right after that episode. And the audience booed. And um, I'm like, oh, that, and he's like, well, that was my indication that people didn't like it. And there's really like one or two references to their attempt at rekindling a relationship after like I think of the episode where they go to Florida and Elaine has to stay on the yeah, subway yeah. bed and Jerry's oh, you know, explaining to his parents like, yeah, like the pen episode, right? Yeah. Yes. The pen. Oh, <laughs> such a good episode. Um, so I um, it's like Seinfeld is not that kind of show. It's not about the relationship dynamic between two characters. You know, that's that's friends lane and friends can play in their lane. But um, and to be clear, 
I think there could be a, there could easily be a great storyline about Jerry trying to make you know ex sex work. Um, speaking as someone who has had an ex sex arrangement, is actually one of the most no strings attached things I've ever done, and it was great fun. I would do it again if I weren't happily married. But um, that can only work with someone who isn't a core character. Like if it was you know one of his girlfriend of the week, whatever or whatever. Like yeah, but. But then the other reason, and no one talks about this, but I feel like it didn't work is because Julia Louis-Dreyfus acts circles around Jerry Seinfeld at any given chance. Like, <laughs> you know, he's, I'm not saying he can't act, but he kind of can only, he kind of can't act because he can really only do Seinfeld. Uh, he has Seinfeld, no yeah. ability to be emotional or like give any indication that he's a human being, um, which is why, you know, even B-movie, like even just voice acting, he's weird in Um and I find that episode almost meta heartbreaking because like it is it is a heartbreaking little episode in itself. And because entirely of Julia Louis-Dreyfus's performance, like she's acting her heart out. And when when Kramer gets her the bench and she's so happy and Jerry's just gotten her cash, like there's it's it's really sad to watch. But the bigger hindrance, I think, to Jerry Elaine is Jerry can't act. And so you have one person who's really selling it and one person who's just kind of turning into a joke. And so I am so glad they didn't try with it after that episode. But you you know what? Like I I I agree with the all the whole premise of that what you said. Like I, I don't think they would have ever worked in the show. The show is really not about this. Mm-hmm. Um and I do agree that uh she does a much better job of like actually showing range, whereas Seinfeld is Seinfeld. But with that episode, I disagree. Like specifically to that episode, he was being himself. But that's how he was reacting. Like, do you get know what I'm saying? Like, him kind of laughing was the actual reaction. Like, him, like, my favorite part actually of that show wasn't anything to do with them. It was, uh, when, <laughs> when George is like, she's mad at me too. And he's like, oh, what yes. did you get her? I gave her, what, $90? $90, yeah. <laughs> that's a great ending. Yeah. I was just, I was just like, you know what? That was just, that was chef's kiss. That was just, oh, so good. But, um, I thought, like, I actually thought that episode was great. Like, she, she, you could tell she got emotionally invested or involved, whereas he was just a dumb idiot guy who's Seinfeld. Like, he was playing Seinfeld as Seinfeld, and this was what Seinfeld was always going to react like. This was always the conclusion. And so, for that specific moment, I thought um, that was the appropriate kind of uh, response. I do completely agree throughout the show. She shows more range and acting chops. Like he doesn't. Like he's always himself. Yeah. But for that episode, I thought it was exactly what that episode called for. Yeah. I I, I think that's a fair point. I It's more... I think I probably said it wrong. My assessment as to why I don't think it could have continued to be a plot is yeah. because I think yeah. in, you're right that in that episode, the reaction is ideal. It's well suited. I don't think uh, I don't trust Jerry Seinfeld's ability to carry that. Well, yeah, beyond, no, he but, wouldn't have been able to carry yeah. that. No, absolutely not. He wasn't he's not for a, it wasn't it was never going to work. Yeah, Um I I really actually was thinking about like the evolution or some might say like the de-evolution of Elaine because when she when the series starts she does have that kind of like women are wiser type thing going on and she is the most collected of the group and I would I would argue that she always is on the surface at least you know she always has the best job um and whatever and she d- 
but like she has an air of being a little bit above them and a little bit and you know only occasionally like it's that she's a little bit too impulsive or whatever um but by like midway through you know there's i mean there's the episode where she literally becomes george but um she yeah she starts to get like just as just as bad just as mean-spirited as they are she's li- a little less pretentious um and i i really like that like to to put it in cruelly like elaine gets more down in the mud with them after um she yeah. and she sinks to their level a lot more and she kind of becomes one of the dudes which i love like because i just i like characters who lose their dignity <laughs> fair enough i, I think uh- in her case, it actually worked. Like one of the things I, I always find about like almost every show that uh, runs a little too long, everyone becomes a caricature of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like every every character just becomes a caricature. Like and Friends is always my kind of thing that I point to. I'm like Joey was nowhere near as stupid as he was by the end. Like Joey, I love Joey, and like to the end, like I love him. And again, I like Friends and Seinfeld for very different reasons. I just find a uh, Friends is something I could definitely have in the background I found comforting. Uh, but Joey was nowhere near that stupid. But by the end, like, you couldn't tell him, like, he couldn't, he needed a calculator for two plus two. Like, <laughs> he was, he, they just, everybody just becomes this weird uh, caricature. And so, but in Elaine's case, um, you're right, she gets down into the mud. She does become a little bit more excessive uh, at the end with who she is. But she does get down in the mud and it does, it's like, well, I, mean, like, I, I didn't want her to be above everybody else because then it was just going to be like the woman is this way and the guys are this way. Yeah. Like it would have just kind of sucked, right? But her being like just as fucked as they are, uh, yeah. it was great. Like the Soup Nazi episode, that's a great example of her just like being a jerk, like the way she's pounding on the thing. Like she is, <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'll say this as a, as a feminist, as a woman, I like when you can present women as being just as selfish and, uh, you know, cause I'm a selfish person, you know, I understand what those but impulses that, are like. That That's feminism. Like you, everybody's can be presented <laughs> the exact same way. Like it's, that's the whole point, right? Like we shouldn't have to think about, uh, how like it, it should just feel natural. And that's yeah. what I liked about that. Like she just was one of the characters, not, Hey, that's the girl yeah. on the show. And that's also, that brings me to another note, which like, this was not a thing I thought about until I started making these notes about how apolitical Seinfeld is and not, not apolitical in the sense of like both sides or whatever. Like, um, and, and I say this, like anyone who knows me knows that I'm a very obnoxiously political person and I, everything I'm into has a political slant and, but I, Seinfeld doesn't have a stance on anything. It's so lazy, and I like that. It's so escapist. Like, there's not a single episode that makes you think about like labor relations versus management or whatever. Because like, you know, George is definitely always fighting up against management, but George is a shitty person, <laughs> so like, it says nothing about that relationship or that dynamic. Or like, you know, yes, New York and the subway plays a role, but there's nothing about the way New York funds its infrastructure. Like. There's some sexual politics, um, but it's all played for laughs. Yeah. Uh, so as a very political person, that's something I need. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of a comfort show, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's comforting in the fact that, like, I don't need to be thinking about it. But what I did kind of like about that show, too, was while I definitely agree it's apolitical, it also still things just came up. 
it the show didn't care about it, mm-hmm. but it came up. Like homosexuality came up yep. in the nineties when I don't think anyone was really even talking about it. Period. Like there were things that came up in the show that you'd be like, oh, like I didn't even expect any show in the nineties to even think about talking about it. But they wouldn't even talk about it though. Like it's not they wouldn't take a stance. They would just bring it up, brush it off like everything was normal to a point where I was just like, I kind of like that you're just kind of brushing it off because you're making it seem like okay, cool, and mm-hmm. what and what, like, and I liked that. Like it was just these these topics at that time that would have been taboo. Like here now, like whatever. But like at that time, you would have been like, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't get taken like that. It was just brought up, cool, move on maybe it's just be them being lazy or maybe them just kind of being like who the fuck cares how yeah. what they're doing which when you think about it like because jerry as a character is a person who is in new york and involved in show business of course it's naturally going to be a lot more casual i do think like maybe seinfeld like both seinfeld and friends were criticized friends much more so for not being true reflections of new york in the, the sense that they had all yeah. white casts uh, including all white supporting casts and bit players and stuff um but i think the reason why seinfeld caught a lot less shit than friends for this and i frankly think this is totally justified is that friends presents a real idealized wholesome vision and it be like yeah so I think there was this cry of like, why can't people of color just be portrayed as having these positive relationships? Or why can't people of color just be hanging out with Seinfeld? You know, know, I'm I'm the white person in this duo, but like, if I were a person of color, there's no desire to be part of that group. There's nothing about that group that's aspirational. And so you don't feel like you're missing out on something really good. Yeah. No, no, I I completely agree. And that was always my complaint about... um friends for sure but again i'd always kind of ground myself in the sense that i'd be like well that's almost literally every show like you were either catering to uh like you know the family matters and that crowd or like it was it was friends and i was just like well different shows different time really hope we eventually move on to not having to force these situations but Mm -hmm. uh completely definitely a different a different conversation there but no i i do agree like it just yeah exactly like you said the Seinfeld just felt like uh it was just there like it just stuff came up kind of went by and they were just like okay cool mm-hmm. um, but yeah like a hundred percent so the last thing I wanted to touch on and it's not even like a stance about Seinfeld it's more just one of my favorite pieces of trivia but it it uh, starts with an important question for you um have you seen the film Euro Trip yes Okay, so there's a Seinfeld connection to Eurotrip, actually a pretty strong one, which is that the three guys who wrote it were um, a couple of them quite prolific Seinfeld writers, uh, including Jeff Schaefer, who is said to be responsible for um, Festivus and the Festivus poll and that whole concept. So they were writers in like the last five seasons. And oh, they're, shit. yeah, and so like I loved that movie. Don't know why. Don't know why. Um, you know, it came out when I was in like... The only thing time. I always yeah. remember about that movie is the absent. Like, it just... So, the absent was from that that's that movie, right? Yes. And there is a Seinfeld okay. connection for you. The Green Fairy is Banya. You would not know unless someone told you, but the Green Fairy is Banya. 
<laughs> Fuck, I gotta go watch the Euro trip now. I know, right? God damn I think it. he's seriously. I, I think he engaged. Benya, by the way, is a great but... supporting character. By the oh, way, oh, I love cool. him. Just the his delivery is so scenery chewing. Um, but yeah, he's. I think he's gained a bit of weight in Euro trip, or it, maybe it's the costume yeah. he's in. But I, I didn't realize until I was watching the commentary, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Kenny Benya from Seinfeld." I'm like, "What the fuck?" Um. And they also said that Michelle Trachtenberg's character in that movie, they kind of try to model her a little bit after Elaine, especially in the sense that she comes off as like, oh, women are wiser and whatever. But in the end, she's just as depraved and horny. And there's the scene where she's talking to the attractive guy at the train station and um, she's, you know, putting on, you know, her flirty eyes and the kick calling Jenny, Jenny. She just turns around like, I'm coming. And they're like that. They said that was her like Elaine moment. And you kind of see it, and then you look at the whole thing, and it's like, oh, this is kind of Seinfeldian, especially like, you know, it's a very ugly Americans movie, but like that is exactly the way <laughs> the Seinfeld group would breeze into every place they are and just like be really stereotypical and loud and disrespectful. And um, so I have a very big soft spot for Eurotrip, but again, that was the thing. Kyla and I rushed out to that movie because she's like, you know, this was written by guys who wrote Seinfeld. So interesting. Like I, I mean, I don't think I. Obviously, at the time, especially like I wasn't as um, like. I, I obviously I wasn't into Seinfeld the way you were, and like my mm-hmm. connection to Seinfeld was very like all over the place. So I don't think I ever knew that. I just, I just first time I'm I'm hearing about this, but I do remember your trip and wow. Like now I have to kind of go back and watch it just to kind of see and feel the connection there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, the only thing I remember about that uh, movie or the, the thing that I always remember about that movie is the absent uh, portion of it. And so I remember, um, just a funny aside, like I remember being uh, in med school, like when, when we were on the island, we were at this uh, duty-free shop on in St. Kitts. It was like a neighboring island that we were at. And we saw absinthe. And so we were just, I was immediately like, dude, it's absinthe. I'm like, we kind of have to try this. And then they had like three different proofed absinthe. I'm like, well, fuck it. We're just getting the highest one, which literally like translated to basically, I think it was like a 170 proof. So like Holy 85% shit. alcohol. Oh my right? God. 85%. And so this is literally, um, I remember that night we were like, okay, well, I was like, I'll have a shot or two. And when I describe the flavor to people, I was it when you take it the shot, like it feel it just burns and numbs the whole way. Like you just you don't feel anything. It just goes cold. But then as it comes back up, like not throwing up, but you just feel this weird wave of flavor come back up. But it's black licorice. Just pure black licorice coming up. Least and then it goes back to you're like, ah. And then it goes back down cold. And it's just this weird mix of emotion. But all you need is two shots of that right before a party. You're good. Like, you're legitimately good. But the problem was, two of my buddies got into a little thing where they were going to take shot for shot. Both of them did not make it to the party. Actually, one did. Ended up falling asleep under an SUV. Under an SUV. And um, I remember, thank God it was one of our friend's SUVs because he had turned, like, he had gone to the SUV and he was like, why is her feet under the SUV? It looks like, oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absent. Uh, Euro trip. But that's just a you know, little now, aside there. Now, you mentioned that you got a duty-free shop. I like yeah, that was, it was a duty-free du- shop. See, it's those little there things you know, of Seinfeld that just burrows it into your brain, you know? It um, just does. Yeah. The, the show works. 
It, it truly does. So that has brought us to my favorite new segment, the lightning round. So like I mentioned, you did uh, you did answer some of these before, but I'm still going to have you answer in a rapid fire format. And we are going to talk about your answers. So 10 questions, answer as quickly as possible. Who do you think is the best actor in the core cast? Jason Alexander. I have to agree with you. I was going to say Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and she is very good. But I mean, Jason Alexander, his pedigree as an actor, um, and he makes you hate him so well. I think that's what it is. I think I had to go. I was actually back and forth with that. Like I was at one point, I was like, oh, I think Julia Louis. But then I was like, you know what? No, like I can't. Like Jason Alexander delivers so much. Like you, I don't identify him as anything other than as George. Like he yeah. is george right like he's so good at the role like he's you points you're just like god damn it george but that is like a sign of a great actor like you mm. just literally are like you suck man but no it's not because he's, yeah. he's such a great actor right like uh, he's he's yeah i would love to see him in uh like a play or a musical because he's gotten like apparently he's just incredible and so i would love to see him not be george and see myself get taken in by him but Okay, number two. If you could eliminate one supporting character from the show, who would it be? Okay, so initially I was going to say uh, Joe Devolo. I don't know why. Like I just, I never struck with them. But then I thought about it. it was Sally Sally Weaver? Mm-hmm. Like fuck, she was annoying. Like I don't yes. know what it was. Like she just, it was Kathy Griffin. I guess that she was just, oh, like everything about the two episodes she was in. I would just, I, and again, these were these weren't episodes like I watched recently. I just remember, and it's that's how burned in into my head it is like that I hated her. Mm-hmm. Like again, like it's not in my recent binge where I saw it again, but I was like, no, she, she, no, I hated her. I don't know what it was, but she was just like, ah, yeah. And I actually, you know what? There's parts of her that I do, I do want to point out that I I think I didn't like, like when you ask someone for like simple favors and they make their own executive decisions like that grates my soul and i'm just like dude what the fuck are you doing yeah yeah um i think the problem with joe davola is that i think he's like a character that belongs in another show his intensity doesn't match seinfeld um for me it just doesn't work this might be a controversial pick um jerry's mom i love i love morty seinfeld uh, you know, like because without him, we would not. My wallet's but who, gone. But Bye. who? But who doesn't like Jerry? How <laughs> yeah, can you see, not like Jerry? That that was always her line, right? Yeah, I like. Cause to me, George's parents are perfect. Frank and Estelle Costanza are incredible. Um, but I just think Jerry's mom was just a bit of a drag, and I feel like all the bits you could like a beautiful mind her out of um, out of everything, because like I feel like the heavyweight of the comedy is Jerry's dad. Yeah, Jerry's dad is the heavyweight there. I think what they did with um, Jerry's mom, I don't think this is a controversial pick, but this is an interesting one. The one thing I think I, I, I realized about her, and like, it was one of my friends that said is, she was almost, like, one of my Jewish friends told me, he, he was like, she was a very Jewish mom. Oh, yeah. But they went like standard Jewish mom with her. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, no, like they, she just kind of felt like she was the normal one. Mm-hmm. It was just... They just went like, let's go stereotypical with her, and but not like they didn't go overboard stereotypical. They didn't stereotype her where it was like excessive. It was just, my son is the best. How can you not like my son? We have to make sure we pay for my son. I have to do this for my son. Like it, everything about her son is perfection, and mm-hmm. like that that part of like the, the Jewish mom, right? And so like I remember having this conversation. I was like, well, I'd like to point this out. I was like, brown moms are kind of like the same, except. Uh, 
sometimes they beat you too, but you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, child abuse. Um, uh, So, um, that was a good choice. I didn't actually see that one coming. Um, it was, it was fairly recently because I was, yeah, I was watching the, the wallet episode and realizing like, yeah, I, d- I think she does the least heavy lifting or whatever. And I don't know. I just feel like I would love to clear the stage for more Morty Seinfeld and his umbrella salesman background. I love Morty Seinfeld. Um, so what is a Seinfeld one-liner or phrase you find yourself saying a lot? So giddy up is like, like with the whole, the, the head, giddy giddy up. Up. like it's just that you can't see it. Obviously it's not a visual medium, but like with the hand, like the head, like a little shaking. I don't know why. Like I, I do love saying that the hello is just classic. It's just mm-hmm. easy to use in literally any situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, yeah, like I'm back baby. You're like, just adding the baby to everything. Like yes. the way George would add, like it just, it's just, it, it just, there's, it's not, I think like now that I'm binging it again, like I'm probably going to go into this weird mode for the next probably few years where all I do is quote Seinfeld. So like if we can like add an addendum to this episode like a year from now, <laughs> I'll tell you more quotes how how I'm annoying everybody with like a bunch of like quotes because I do that. Like, I know I get to get into these modes where like I'll start dropping in like if I get obsessive over a show, I'll start dropping in quotes. I no no reason at all. Like I did that with friends too. Like I. Uh, they're like a little like there's a little bits and pieces where like yeah even if small things like Chandler saying the sun like the way he says the sun like it just it's just beautiful so like I, I'm probably ask me in a year and you'll probably be hearing all the seasons what about you yeah, first of all your friends and your wife are just gonna be like I was just saying baby now um but um <laughs> so two very specific ones one is uh Jerry's oh I'm stressed uh when he's uh living like Kramer's like you seem a little stressed oh I'm stressed um and even the way he also the way i'm on no sleep no sleep um i love the beats that he hits um also like i'm a person who stresses out a lot like that's just i i don't know how to do anything without making a big deal of it and without stressing myself out about it um yeah like i mean when i was at my last job which was a very stressful job and like really pushed my mental health to the point where i thought something was wrong with me and then it turns out oh no that was just a really toxic workplace but um yeah I would get usually the case. Yeah. um, Because like I work at a different place now and my life is normal. And like someone recently, my sister, by the way, my sister-in-law recently told me she's like, you're so normal now. And I'm like, I know that's a backhanded (laughs) compliment, but thank you. Um, uh, But yeah, the oh, I'm stressed like that would be it would be a way that I could express my stress, but also make myself laugh. Um, But then the other one, and it's not really a line because it's not a word. But when Kramer thinks he sees Joe DiMaggio. And he starts smacking the table and just, yep, yep. Um, so that was a thing that, again, my friend and I would um, do it, like, across the cafeteria at each other to get each other's uh, attention. Um, and now that, because uh, I think my husband, who, you know, he's a little bit older than me, so he, like, came of age in the 90s. Um, yeah, like, he would have been, like, working in college in the 90s prime Seinfeld watching age and he's never seen an episode so he's been watching it with me and I think it was I think it was the little yep yep that I think that made him lose it more than anything so um, really again Michael Richards king of the physical comedy so what's what's funny is like you're I'm actually going through the exact same thing with my wife like I actually like got ahead of her because I was like you know what I have to get ahead because like Bree's gonna kill me if I suck at this (laughs) so like I gotta at least know a little bit about the show again but like I've been watching with her and she's the same like she's watched a few episodes here and there but she was like 
I never like watched it. And if I was wanting to, so I'm like, all right, let's watch it. So like, she's on season three right now, and she's she's definitely loving it. But yeah, mm-hmm. go on. You were saying uh, I cut uh, you off for a second. No worries. So notably, all the Seinfeld characters stay single until the end of the series, which I think is a great choice. But if there was one character yes. you could see get married, who would it be, and who would it be to? Oh man, I like. I feel like I I had to choose Kramer. Because he was always going to be the one that was just weird. And so I wanted him to be married off to something like everybody else who was always like looking to find someone and looking to get in a relationship never finds it. In my head, I was like, it would have been perfect if Kramer got married and lived the normal life at the end of it. Because like they always played that like, you know, Kramer, you don't know what Kramer does. You don't know what his name was until like season five or six Mm -hmm. or season six. Like I would have loved that, but I have but I have absolutely no clue who I would have married Kramer off to. I would have picked someone not in the show, like a supermodel that like everyone would have been like, what the hell? Like, how did he even land her? Like, that's the type. But like, a, that was a t- that's a tough question. What about I you? Think, well, first of all, I think what would be a great angle with Kramer is much like in the strike, you find out that he's had a job this entire time. He's just been, you know, on strike. Um, if you find out that Kramer's like somehow been married this whole time, um, you know, we never know what's yeah, possible with him. That'd be good. I feel like the easy answer would be George because as much as killing Susan off, which we'll, we'll get to, um, like you could have easily had that just become George is miserable with Susan, but he gets married to her. And it's even more extreme because he's just trying to get out of this marriage. But ultimately I did settle on, I would have loved to see Elaine marry Putty because I would love to see what happens when Elaine marries someone so obviously beneath her. and like just can't possibly bring herself to break from him um because like that's the thing is there's such a bad match and yet he's probably the most recurring like long-term boyfriend she has yeah and um i would just love like in a way like they're seemingly together for a while and she's just finding out things about him like so you're pretty religious that's right um and so i think that would make for a really funny marriage um because also I like to Elaine as the one who does have her shit the most together. I'd love to see her taken down a peg. So your favorite recurring character. I mean, that's that's Frank. It's Frank. Frank is just Frank was just absolute gold. Like, yes, like everyone remembers Festivus for the rest of us. But like everything he did was just bring chaos and belligerence into every scene he's in. And it's just he overpowers every scene. Uh, it's so crazy how he's just I mean he's overpowering in every scene and it was interesting like I remember like reading about it like um, there's a lot of lines that are like really classic that like he apparently just he didn't remember his line and he just said stuff like he forgot his line a lot in that in, in Seinfeld but it just worked because it's Jerry Stiller and like he's just that good and he's just oh man he's He's great. Like even like the episode where like um yeah, George uh sells his uh his uh, cruise clothing, like his his cruise mm-hmm. cruise wear. It's just so good. Like his his it's just so good. So so classic. Like He's, Frank is yeah. perfect. He is part of one of my favorite like meta material about Seinfeld, which is I think the best blooper in Seinfeld history where he and Julia Louis-Dreyfus are just like, she can't stop breaking. She can't stop laughing. They're doing the, you want a piece of me scene? You got it! Like that is, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow oh, haven't seen that blooper, look it up because she just it's... can't stop laughing at him. Because um, he's, like you said, <laughs> he's such a force. He takes over everything. So I had Frank Costanza as well. <laughs> I will, however, say, give a small shout out to the Cran Man and Dr. Tim Watley because of the delivery of, give me a shtickle of fluoride. Um, he's, <laughs> he's so good at playing such a dick. Um, you know, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, I'm going to give one up to the Cran man, but my, my real answer is Jerry Stiller as Frank Costanza. So are yes. you, pr- as we've talked so much about Susan, are you pro or anti death of Susan? Cause that was a controversial thing. So, I mean, this super hard question. Like I, 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 yes. And no, like, I feel like yes, in the sense that I think that kind of had to happen to wrap up that arc. Like George couldn't stay this way forever. Like, you know, like, like you said, like season seven, George was like, Ooh, like it was a little tough, George. Right. Like, yeah. But I think that was part of the, 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 the allure, right? Like it was, it was George really pushing your buttons of like, Oh, how much of this can we accept from him? Right. Mm-hmm. But I think like, so in that sense, like I was like, the death had to happen. Like we had to wrap this season, like that kind of thing up. And I mean, you kill off Susan, but no, in the sense that like we got peak screwed up George because of her. Mm-hmm. And so, and also like, I kind of felt bad. I was like, my God, like that character has such a tragic st- time, like timeline and storyline. And she like, I find out even behind the scenes, she wasn't like really well, like, you know, received as like, oh, like, I mean, if I had to push comes to shove, I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, I think she had to die, but um, it was kind of like, you know, it's kind of shitty as well because I've read that like she's not a, she doesn't like to talk about Seinfeld since like she's been off the show. Mm-hmm. And like that makes me feel bad. Like, I'm like, I, I wish everyone had a positive yeah. experience. I'm I'm like you. It's kind of like I have mixed emotions about it, but then when push comes to shove, like I would have loved to see her as a character leave on her own terms, but I think that was kind of the recurring thing of like no matter what, George just couldn't drive her away. Um, I'm at least glad yeah. that they made her death ridiculous and not something tragic <laughs> like a car accident or an illness. It was from bad adhesives. Um, the only thing that I don't that I think is like a bit of a stain is that it added the kind of like oh everyone thinks George like did it on purpose so I'm glad that didn't become the most super long lasting arc it's really only a level of discomfort in one or two episodes um yeah, yeah. yes I, like you I'd say I'm yes with an asterisk um so yep. character that you wish had come back just one more time oh man I, I don't I honestly don't know like about this one like it's I mean, I feel like it's also like I wish I had gotten through all my episodes as well, like this time around through the binge, because yeah. I was like, who didn't come back? Like I was like, did like do did Babu come back? Like Babu come back? Like did there's some episodes like I was like, did certain people come back? So I I I can't fully remember who came back, but one guy I do remember, and like I don't know if he does come back or not, but like we talked about the episode, like the 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 Chinese restaurant episode. Mm-hmm. Like I actually just wanted to see him again. Like yeah. almost do a part His two. His delivery to is restaurant. great. Just His face, so like, and so yeah. And if they if they did that all over again and did a part two episode and he came back just for that, mm-hmm. would have loved it. Would have loved it. So I originally said Babu Bot, but then I realized that they did ruin his life twice and then he came back for the finale. So I'm like, you know, I think we got the right amount of Babu and I think I'd feel terrible if the characters had to ruin his life one more time. However, (laughs) 
Um, the busboy who um, George accidentally got fired because he made the remark about the food and then they lost his cat. And um, yeah, and then, you know, at the end they find his cat and he got a new job and he's so grateful. And then he gets beaten up on and the And gets way. into fight. Yeah. Um, so I would have loved to see him come back and either get revenge or he's turned his life around or maybe the opposite. Maybe his life is terrible now. Um, I would have loved to see the busboy come back. No, that was that would have been good. He he ended up getting into a fight with uh, what like whoever Elaine was going out with, right? Yes, um, and yeah, because the plot was she was trying to get him like to leave and get like she was trying to like rush him out, and then oh he, yes, and, yeah, he ended up like being in traction, and she had to take care of him. So um, the puffy shirt is in the Smithsonian, it turns out. What other Seinfeld prop would you put in the Smithsonian? I, I mean, there's so many things that you could really point to. But for me, it was either the TV guide, uh, just because, again, like the connection to Frank. Like this is the, the, the fact that he had a TV guide collection A was just, <laughs> just, just perfectly Frank. Uh, his reaction to not getting that one TV guide was just beautiful just perfect i also had like my my mom had like a similar kind of addiction to these random like tamil books as well and then or if it wasn't that it was the mannequin mm-hmm. like i don't know why but i always just thought that episode was just so funny and then they kind of would play off of it like yes the mannequin with you know jld or then when later there was a doll that looked like costanza's mom like it, it i just i thought the mannequin or the tv guide would just I think that it had to be the TV guide and that the TV guide had to be stained, but on top of like this gold pedestal with light shining on it and like this angelic music always around it. Like it had to be that with Frank yelling in the background. <laughs> so I had either the coffee table book, um, which I, yeah. I always tried to get like a copy of because I, I think there are some like novelty stores that sold them. Um, or this is just me being a shitlord, but, um, the couch that Poppy peed on, um, (laughs) God, it's such a disgusting episode. Um, what is the better post Seinfeld HBO show curb or veep? See, the thing is, I can't, I don't know that I can answer this properly. Like I didn't really get into, uh, veep. So like, I don't know, like I curb, I did watch enough of it to say like, it had its moments at least uh but i i don't know enough about veep or watch enough about veep to be able to compare it so like i'll I'll actually listen to what you think okay so that's fair so i have seen um all of the first iteration of curb i haven't seen like the kind of reboot of it i guess um yeah and i've seen all of veep i think as a whole veep is stronger I do think like there's a lot of brilliance in Curb. Um, I think that there's there's individual episodes of Curb that I think are so good. I think like top any individual episode of Veep, um, and like even lines like um, there's one of Shaq Shaq doing the peanut butter peanut butter like um, and just like the the pettiness in Curb like matches the pettiness in Seinfeld, which I like. Um, I just think Curb has run too long, even though it's never gotten bad, bad. Like, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for shows that know when to call it a day. Again, like, and I think Veep um, lasted the exact right amount of time. I also think, like, Veep's supporting cast is really good. Like, I love, I I love Tony Hale. I love getting to see him in something that's not Buster Bluth. So um, I would say, like, Veep very narrowly beats out Curb. 
it's fair enough i gotta go i gotta definitely watch veep now um Mm -hmm. and just a comment about like you know respecting shows that uh, no one to call it quits like almost every american show like always overstays its welcome right like let's be honest like it's not british like british shows no one to cut themselves off or sometimes preemptively kill everybody but um (laughs) uh, but yeah this is uh, it's a problem that i find in a lot of shows and i again like I would if you ever do like get so bored that you have to watch Dexter like <laughs> let me know like how you find it and like what you feel about the, sh- the seasons after a certain point like you'll know and the same with like how I met your mother like I I watched it in university I thought it was good to a point then I hate watched it because I just needed to know I hated it at a point like I just the show was trash but I'm like I committed so much of my life I need to know who the mother is mm-hmm. and then if the, the payoff better be good and the payoff was not good by the way it was terrible wanted to just absolutely just strangle every writer on that show but um yeah so like when it comes to this like when you comment about Curb like uh I find that about a lot of shows that start off really strong Mm -hmm. they always overstay like the ones that like start off kind of slow and peak well i think are the ones that know when to turn it off whereas the ones that start off strong right off the bat Mm -hmm. think they can last forever and and that's also a thing like and we talked about this myself and christy in our episode about parks and rec one of the other reasons why i wish shows would just end a little bit earlier is because even when they are good shows it's like you could, you know, cut this off three seasons earlier or whatever and just clear the runway for another new show and get some new voices and new talent. Like, I don't want to say I've had my fill of Larry David, but like, okay, I know Larry David is funny. Let's let's get something else. Okay, let's, yeah. let's move on, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of moving on, our last <laughs> question is, um, what would you order from the soup place? Uh, the crab bisque. Like, I had to go back and check the menu. I had to yeah. make sure, like, I didn't pick something that wasn't on the menu because I was like, I always like, um, you know, like, I like Italian wedding soup for some reason or like random stuff like that. But then I'm like, you know what? I got to go back and check the menu. And the menu, I'm like, I looked at it. It's crab bisque. Like, yeah. I would have tried the crab bisque. Yeah. Definitely. What about you? So, um, you guys know I don't eat meat or dairy, um, or eggs. Um, but even if like, I, I did put myself into the mentality of if I were, if I were a meat eater, because I was at the time that Kyle and I went looking for the soup place, I ate meat. I am, however, severely allergic to crab and shellfish. So, um, that is off the table. Um, but I actually, the one that appealed most to me is one that is or could be vegan friendly, which is mulligatani. Um, mulligatani, which was a soup type I had never heard of, um, but it has like everything I like in a soup, which is really, first of all, that it's more of a stew than uh, than a soup. And it's it's a chonker, you know, you've got some lentils, you got some coconut milk. Uh, there's uh, some, you can add apple for flavor profile. And I was looking up good mulligatani recipes and I'm like, you know what, it's soup season. I should make some of this. I'm I'm actually gonna look into I'm just I just pulled that up like while we were talking I might look into just making that like I, I what one thing I do like doing especially now like uh, you know it's like you know every, everybody um, at, once you hit your thirties you realize like all of your parents and everybody older than you become your children at least to mm-hmm. me like that's kind of what happened to me like uh, I became everybody's dad not just my one year old's dad mm-hmm. uh, and so like I had to ma- I've like kind of almost taken it upon myself to manage everyone's health including myself and stuff and so like I like to there's a lot of foods that I eat that are like, I know I like because they're unhealthy, but I'm like, how can I make this healthy and still keep it delicious? Mm-hmm. And it's like the greatest challenge because 
a lot of stuff like as you make it healthy like you lose some of the assets right like mm-hmm. you you remove enough butter you've lost hollandaise sauce right like you remove it like there's so much you could like you lose and so it's always fun but like this this looks good malatani yeah. like this is uh this is definitely something i'm gonna look into for sure. Which, on that note, don't you find like Jerry Seinfeld in the show has the diet of a twelve-year-old? Like everything is just yeah. cereal and fast food, and I'm just like, oh my oh, yeah. god! Like you never see this man eat anything green. Um, he must have been didn't. I I don't know if Jerry Seinfeld ever had a documented drug pro- problem. I do tend to assume, much like I assume everyone in Hollywood is a terrible person. I do assume that everyone in Hollywood does have somewhat controlled substance use. I'm like. How is he staying so thin? Because he ate like shit on that show. Yeah, but I mean, like the the the, the I never like really like uh, he would like this again because of the way the show was for me. Like it wasn't a show that I like looked into the people like the people part of it. So like I never knew if Seinfeld was like that. But like in Friends, for example, like Chandler had a huge drug problem, right? Like he, yes. you could see it, but oh, you could yeah. see it like season to season. Like you saw the weight rail. fluctuations. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like I was watching like with my brother like, in in the summer or in, in the summer, and um, like I, again, I like Friends enough. Or like, or I mean, I don't, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. But I kind of like with Seinfeld. Like, I didn't know the chronology of it, and I was saying that to my brother. And then Chandler shows up, and he goes, "Well, this is one of the Matthew Perry Coke seasons." Yeah, so. and you could tell, like, you knew, like, he was either, and then, or you, he was recovering, or like, he, and then you would find out, like, that he, that season, off season, he had gone to rehab and stuff, and so, like, you can see the fluctuations in him, and I was like, mm-hmm. dude, like, you need to figure your shit out, like, because yeah. I mean, he was me made that show, like, he was the funniest by far in that I show, agree, yeah, uh, but it was, it was, it was always um, that that show made it obvious, but uh, in Friends, like, oh yeah, I don't know, like, uh, who was, and who wasn't, uh, just. Yeah, like I don't know if it was just the show that their diets were just terrible and they were just making picking the easiest thing to constantly eat. Yeah, uh, except for Kramer, he was always uh, bringing the mangoes in or the <laughs> the mango episode. Also, a great episode. Uh, <laughs> I just I just as I say, I started rethinking about all the times I had mangoes. Like, God, was there a connection? <laughs> <laughs> so we have now reached my favorite, which is determining the peak, and so. I always say peaks mean different things to different people. It could be solely based on when was it at the best quality? You know, when could people start watching? What was the last good season? So guests go first. What, and some people I'll say, some people will say, I think it peaked at this season. Some people will name a specific episode. So just go with your vibe. So I, 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 again, this was funny because I saw your notes and I was like, what do you mean you hate season four? (laughs) Uh, But um, it was in my it was in the running ultimately it didn't win it for me like for me like I think I can name a few things so like season five I thought was like the peak season like where it was at its most consistent uh, and its best um, like and in terms of episodes like I this one is where like within season five like I had to kind of like and I just watched it too so and I realized how difficult this was to choose because within season five there's a few episodes like that I can name like and I just want to make sure I pull it up um the it was between the opposite the Hamptons and um the marine biologist (laughs) the marine biologist always stuck with me for some reason it was another one of those episodes i think i just tuned into a lot when i was like younger uh 
and I didn't realize it was that good of an episode until I watched everything else. And I'm like, that episode is just so good. There's just so much going on in that episode and the hijinks of like Jerry lying to both uh, Elaine and uh, that, no, whatever her face, her name was, like the girl that uh, Costanza was dating. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like that, those two lies just set off a chain of events that just somehow tie back in. It was just beautiful. I, I thought that episode was beautifully done. But then there's the Hamptons, um, <laughs> the swimming pool. Like it was cold. <laughs> like you know, like it was obviously I was like in that. The pool. <laughs> like it was just, just that between that and him stealing the lobster, I thought that was that was great. But then I just came back down to like the opposite. It was just so good, and it was a finale too. But it was such a perfect. I thought episode that I was kind of sad they they didn't push it a bit more. Like it was so perfect. Like George just says, fuck it. Everything, every instinct I have is wrong. Everything I think is wrong. I fundamentally make bad decisions. I'm going to completely go against this moving forward. So if I think this, I'm going to do the complete opposite. And everything starts going George. And it's beautiful watching like how they balance it out by like, it's just absolutely cratering Elaine's life. Like it, it was just like it was all balanced, and like they called, like they made Jerry be even Steven. I'm like everything about this episode is so good that I was like, I kind of wish they called back to it a little bit more in season six, where it just went back to George being George, and I was like, I, like George just got a Yankees job. Like why wouldn't he <laughs> try to continue? doing playing this angle like how did he forget this angle of no don't go with your gut don't follow instinct your instinct sucks you you suck at decisions don't listen to yourself that little voice do the opposite and i i don't know i i always thought the peak i I think once i thought about it the peak was the end of season five like but season five as a whole was just a peak but the opposite i think was just it for me like it just i don't know like it was just so good You almost have me convinced on the opposite. However, my peak is very close. You know, you're saying end of season five. I've got um, like early, mid season six is season six, episode 15, The Beard. Um, And the the main plot, the titular plot is that Elaine tries to convert uh, her uh, someone that she has a beard to to heterosexuality and it doesn't work <laughs> um i i mean that is a great elaine plot because again that shows who elaine was at that point which is she is incredibly selfish like when you think and again i'm really glad that seinfeld was really apolitical because i'm glad it didn't get into the politics of it's so morally wrong to do that like if that were a real person i'd say you're an ass to do that um you know let this mm-hmm. let this person live his life you just because you're horny um I do, however, think it might have been, not to punch it up, but it might have been even funnier if, you know, she does convince him to join her team. Um, and then it turns out that she doesn't, she's not happy in the relationship and wants to dump him, but maybe that would be too George-ish. Um, you've also got George, yeah, that would be George yeah. dating the bald woman. And, uh, you know, yes. Uh, but what I actually think is the best part, because I just think this, it's a, it really is an episode who shows who everyone is. And um, it's like a great kind of series of adventures for everyone. But Jerry's plot in that episode is my absolute favorite. And that's when he meets um, he meets the officer who mentions Melrose Place. He's like, oh, I never watched it. And she actually decides to polygraph on him. And George 
coaches him in how to lie. And Jerry just ends up freaking out um, in the in the polygraph and finally admitting that he loves Melrose Place. I have never seen an episode of Melrose Place, by the way. However, um, one of my favorite podcasts, We Hate Movies, they do a great Melrose Place monthly recap show on their Patreon, um, <laughs> which has made it sound like really ridiculous because it, it does start out so grounded in reality and then just goes off the rails. So, um, And then in the end, they all settle down and watch Melrose Place together. And it's Jerry's uh, line reading, oh, that Michael, he's so smug. And he's finally like, in the <laughs> yes, I watched the show. But like, I think it's great because Again, this is a sh- this is something that a lot of us can relate to if we lean into the worst parts of ourselves, which is trying to claim that we've never seen an episode of a guilty pleasure show. Like that is what yeah, he does yeah. with Melrose Place. And then if some like I don't know if someone hooked me up to bad example because the episode is coming out tomorrow. But if I try to claim, no, I've never seen America's Next Top Model. That show's stupid. Fuck Tiger Banks. And if someone hooked me up to a polygraph tester, I'd be like, no, actually, I have memorized Tyra Banks' rant in which she yells at <laughs> Tiffany. Like, um, so yeah, I just think that it's, I don't, it's probably not even anyone's idea of the best episode, but I, to me, I see it as the peak uh, because it's one that um, everyone is just the most themselves. Everyone is the most extreme version of themselves and that, and it's, George being really shallow, Elaine being really impulsive and unlucky, and Jerry, you know, being like a little bit pretentious and above everyone. And then Kramer accidentally getting fingered in a police lineup. So uh, that's my peak. <laughs> uh, and so I, I have a oh, feeling man. I know. Honorable mention. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. You no, 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 feeling- please. Please do, because uh, no the the, the honor the, the 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 two honorable mentions I wanted to mention was like the subway episode. I thought that oh, was. Oh, like, I love that epic. one. I just love so one. good. It's just I couldn't I couldn't pick it as the peak because I thought like season four or five it's are pretty better than early season three. too. Yeah, it's too early to pick mm-hmm. as a peak, but I thought as an individual episode, it's one of like the better. Ep- That's when I was like, okay, they found their footing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, now they know what they're doing. Like the subway episode was just classic TV, and then uh, the contest, right? Like that's everybody's favorite. Like yes. that's kind of like everybody else's favorite, uh, and I get why. Like I'm like that. Like and the fact that they never say masturbation in that episode, like the fact that they never say the the words masturbation, and it's always uh you know master of my domain. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that episode is up there, but like yeah, like it wasn't a for me, it wasn't the peak. But um, I I would get why anyone would say that. But again, it's just funny to me, like because that that episode comes into season four, which is like you know you the the Brie hated season, so like you know just. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a dick. Um, I, I will also <laughs> say the Subway episode as well. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, um, even though I don't think it counts as a monologue because it's recorded, but when she is freaking out in her head, she's like, move, move. Like, it's so, so good. I, I have a feeling I have a few times like on stage and stuff yelled so loud that like my blood vessels burst and I get what I call the blood freckles because you get like the little dots uh it, this might be like a, a sad Irish white person thing. Um, <laughs> it's like, or, God damn, that's 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 bad. I, I've also gotten that from throwing up too hard. You throw up so hard that you burst blood vessels in your face. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Um, but damn. Oh yeah, like I when I've done like theater and stuff, and I've had to like scream. You, you straight up went out, Hulk. Like you, you hugged out. 
It's really hard to tell probably uh, while I'm doing my podcast voice, but I'm a really loud person with no volume control at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But so I have a feeling she was doing that kind of yelling where like you're actually like bursting blood vessels in your face. Like it sounds like that for sure. Um, Yeah, it does. She she hits those notes. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that I know what the answer is because we've kind of both said this, but if someone, you know, like say our respective spouses who have never really seen a lot of Seinfeld, would you recommend they go chronologically or do like a remote roulette or would you give them like a list of like, here's 10 episodes you have to watch? I mean, I again, like my, I, I don't like using the phrase OCD because people misuse the word OCD. Like it's mm-hmm. not that they don't use it the right way, but like, you know, if I use it the colloquial way, like I usually would want to be like, I you have to start at the beginning because you just have to. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're starting in the middle? But this is literally the only show you could actually watch anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but if like, you know, like if it's someone like in my wife's case, I was like, well, since it's on Netflix now, why not start at the beginning? Yeah. But it's not a show I'd be like, you can't jump in. If someone walks in and they've never seen it, I'm like, just watch it. Yeah. It's just that. It's just, you can watch it. You can watch it at any point in time. And it always makes sense. It's really only season nine where like things just go so out of control mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, what is going on? Outside of that, you can drop into any episode and love it. Yep. So I would, uh, even remote roulette could be fun. Like, cause you could just land on, you could just land on the contest and you'd just be like, what the fuck are you watching? Yeah. Like, dude. I, I would also recommend Remote Roulette. And the other thing is, like, sometimes in a few cases, like we talked about this with Parks and Rec, like, um, you know, like, here are the 10 best episodes or whatever. I have an idea of what the 10 best episodes are, but I would actually say to a person, don't go looking for the good episodes because... There are so many great little things in Seinfeld that I would say, Mm -hmm. like, even just watching some random episode from season three or whatever, you're going to find something that delights you. Like I said, warm bath, cheap glass of wine. So that's I am 100 percent remote roulette on Seinfeld because you're going to find something that makes you giggle. Yeah, and it's 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 that's these are the shows that like do well, right? Like the shows that like you can watch 17 times and then you're like, I didn't notice that or only you noticed it and you always find it funny and someone else would look at it and be like uh i don't i don't really like i never really identified with it but like you're just like this is the most funny like the hilarious thing of all time right so yeah it's uh it's it, it, yeah i do agree like this is the one show that you can do remote roulette and like i wouldn't go like you know um my anxiety and irritability wouldn't like just pop out and want to like throw something at you definitely the only show you can do that i think in my head but uh like in my wife's case i was just like you know, watch chronologically you might as well just kind of watch the growth of the show itself uh and she's on season three right now so she's she hasn't even gotten to like the really really good stuff i think she just watched the subway episode though you know, it is probably a good thing about Seinfeld as well. Like one thing about long running TV shows, especially Friends is the biggest is like, you always see that everyone, all the stars get progressively like much more attractive um, because, you know, they've <laughs> gone Hollywood. I don't find that's the case with Seinfeld. Like, I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is such a beautiful woman. Sometimes I find they like downplay it a little bit. You know, they put her in like really bad well, they clothes did. and stuff. Um, but like at no point does she just become hot. Uh, or does Elaine become hot, I should say? And I really like that. No, but I think what they did do with Elaine, though, is like they um, they stopped kind of really frumping her up. Like at the beginning, yeah. like they made sure to put her in baggy stuff and like make sure like she like you 
you never looked at her sexually like mm-hmm. at all like they were very co- it's always like they you felt cog they were cognizant of it mm-hmm. but uh, near like maybe once season five six hit like finally like started paying attention to her hair and treating it properly mm-hmm. like they started putting a little bit more makeup on her and then like again like guys who kept watching for so long are like huh she's kind of attractive yeah wait a minute uh, she is kind of attractive so like you kind of realize it but they don't play it up the way like other like shows do like where every every girl is sexified and every guy just becomes this fucking weirdo like yeah, yeah. like they, they don't do that and I kind of I do enjoy the fact that they didn't really go down that line because mm-hmm. it would have uh, really taken away from the show yeah alright so Gaush this has been a blast thank you so much for doing this with me um, for those who are listening who want to follow you on Twitter and kind of get into what you're into where can they find you um, I'm trying to even remember my Twitter handle I think it's at Gaushigan S G O W S H I G A N. I think there's an S on it you'll mm-hmm. find me like you'll yeah. see me in a you'll see me in a green suit um, you are wearing the hell out of that suit by the way appreciate it thank you so much uh, other than that like you know there's nothing for me to plug but you know if anyone ever needs marketing help I'm always here I I like I work with a fitness company and like uh, I'm the director of marketing there but I do a lot of contracts on the side and uh, I actually love working on weird projects so like if anyone has a really weird project that they need help with uh, uh, I loved getting on those so just give me a shout Super, and we'll make sure to toss uh, toss your handle in our description so that people can check you out. And again, you really wear the hell out of that suit. You got a great head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank as you. for me, I have been your host, Brie Rohde. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Breganism, which is like veganism with a B-R-E-E. New episodes are due out <laughs> every other Thursday. Next episode is on Judd Apatow with special guest Kyle Martinak. Our back catalog is full of, as we said, lots of TV on NBC sitcoms such as The Office and Parks and Rec. We've also got musical episodes on Radiohead, Arkells, and the entire genre of Canadian indie music in the 2000s. And Keep, keep an eye out soon for our upcoming Peak Show reunion episode where we will have many guests from season one uh, joining in on the most chaotic call ever. Um, oh yeah, you're welcome to come to that. There's going to be a lot of people from hockey Twitter on that though. Um, oh, that's great. Right. It's just going to devolve into hockey. Oh. We really hope like the Leafs aren't doing bad at the time. By the way, then. Who knows? Our theme song is an original composition by Jack Dump. Please give them a shout out at bandcamp.com slash jackdump. And our show art is by none other than my husband, Jared Daly. Say thank you, Jared. Take care and don't whistle on the elevator.